Welcome back to the Magic Table, everyone. Uh, we got such good feedback from y'all last time. We decided we're just going to keep rolling with this and just see what happens. And so here's our second installment of the Magic Table. And today we discuss hospitality. So for JJ and I, hospitality is something that uh, we've done for pretty much our entire marriage. It's something that like speaks to both of us, something we enjoy doing and feel uh, somewhat gifted at, I would say. And uh, But we've had a long journey of getting better at hospitality, I'll say. And in this episode, we sort of take you through that journey, so to speak. Uh, we have some great stories in this one that you are absolutely going to love. Uh, it is just, yeah, hospitality is not straightforward. And I feel like there's a lot of barriers to people starting hospitality, to to getting into it, to to maybe like having people over. I think there's a lot of barriers. There's a lot of, of reasons not to. I think there's a lot more reasons to have people over, though, and to uh, just bring community in, into your space, whatever that may be, and not just not just physically, but stories, and I feel like all that's really important. So in this episode, we talk about some of the learnings that we've gone through. We offer some pro tips for how to be hospitable and, and have people over, especially on a, on a budget. We are pretty much always on a budget, so if that's you, uh, this is a great episode. Uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, we'd love to Hear, the, hear your feedback, hear what you have to say about the episode, and if you have questions that we should be answering, please uh, drop those into uh, Instagram at Theology of Hustle, and we will get to those. So I hope you enjoy a little time at the Magic Table talking about hospitality. All right, well, here we are back at the Magic Table, uh, JJ and I, and uh, what are we talking about today, JJ? hospitality hospitality all right that's two texans <laughs> well and that i mean hospitality is sort of some of the reason behind like the whole magic table thing even i mean do you want to talk a little bit about just why we call it the magic table and sure well to be fair we didn't name it right. the magic table right it was and it's like one of the highest compliments i think we've ever received um but our friend Jen, I think she was bringing her husband here for the first time. Yeah, that sounds right. And commented like, oh, yeah, well, JJ and Curry's table is magic. Like, you feel comfortable sharing things, you lose track of time, and it's just such a special place to be. And again, that was like a time I could have cried, I might have, of just... That's exactly what we want. We want our house. We pray that our house is a refuge and a safe haven where people can find hope and healing through Jesus, not through us. But right. not everyone who we welcome to our table knows Jesus. And we we want people to feel safe here and never, I don't know, that we're pushing an agenda or our faith on people, but that just our home is a place where people can be known and loved. And, um, and so ever since then we've called it the magic table because that that's our hope yeah. that coming, coming here, sitting around this table, it doesn't always feel magical. Sometimes it feels hard and sad and we walk through heartbreak and sorrow, but we hope really that it's magic and that like when people walk through our door, they feel loved and known and cared for in a way that like encourages them in yeah. some capacity. Yeah. So we create space. Yes. Yeah. For people's stories to come alive. And for sure. So we're going to talk a little bit just about our hospitality journey. 
Yeah. Right. And just uh, some of the tricks of the trade that we've learned over the years, <laughs> I guess. Right. And I think it's this thing that is like so intimidating for people. And so we just want to kind of like, I don't know, shed light on just our journey because this is not this is not where we imagined we would be, yeah. I think, when we started out. I think to be fair, to start off, I'll, I'll launch us on our hospitality journey. Okay. I think to be fair, though, we both have realized later that we both come from families who are very hospitable. For sure. I mean, your family, like I have been to your house when I was in high school, like before we dated or barely knew each other to play like ping pong in your garage, right? There was right. always like somebody at your house. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think the same for me. I mean, my dad always had people over my mom and uh, stepdad when they were, you know, uh, when they were doing ministry, there was just always people over sort of bearing, mm -hmm. you know, bearing their burdens and, you know, uh, mm -hmm. just talking and there was just always somebody around it seemed like. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think like my growing up, I thought that was normal, which I knew like everyone, like my house was a hub because my mom, like my mom fed people. Yeah. And like people came to play ping pong in the garage because we had a whole outside fridge that was always full of like Cokes and Gator, like stuff that we wouldn't drink usually, but we, my mom wanted to be the, my parents were geniuses yeah. and they wanted to be like the house. And so my mom always had food and cookies and all the things so that people were at our house. And so once I got to college, I realized like, oh, not everybody's parents did that. Right. Like that's a different, I mean, like my mom, I can't remember if it was once a month or once a week. But she would feed all my friends. It was whoever showed up, there was food. And I don't, I, looking back, I'm like, how in the world did she feed all of us? Because it was never like, oh, mom, six friends are coming. It was like, whoever showed up at our house, she fed, which maybe that's why I make so much food when people <laughs> maybe come over. It, yeah. <laughs> maybe my mom was just always making so much food that there was plenty for whoever That's was why there. you have a deep freeze. It's just like <laughs> stocked, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You just never know. I don't want people to leave our house hungry. Right. So I always over-prepare. But when we got married, I would not say, well, I guess just like we had a bunch of moody guys over, right? Mm -hmm. All the time. I fed you know, your friends. You they did. were all my yeah. guinea pigs because right. I couldn't cook right at all it was rough like to me cooking was like baking pillsbury cinnamon rolls and like frying <laughs> bacon and i'm like i'm pretty good um and so really that first year at moody i mean we've talked about these boys just welcomed me in all of curry's friends i didn't have any girlfriends i just hung out with the boys but part of that was like I'm making pies for an event and I messed the first one up and I can't take it, but it still tastes okay. Do y'all want to come over and eat? And so uh, we didn't have great food to offer, but we were always welcoming people in. And so I think I realized like after we got married that like mac and cheese and cinnamon toast crunch would like not sustain curry in the way that it had sustained me <laughs> and my dietary needs. And so once I like started cooking, we started having people over more. And I think about like our Bridgeport house, we would have 
the weirdest get-togethers, which maybe this goes back to our previous episode about, like, wanting community. Right. Like, we hosted Thanksgiving and invited, like, everyone who worked at Starbucks with curry. <laughs> right. And, like, their significant others and, like, their cousin who didn't have somewhere to go. And we didn't think twice about it. was a rough group it. of people, too. We had some weird... We had a Super Bowl party that I, like, didn't know half the people that were there. <laughs> it was super weird. Did we have TV? Yeah. Did we? Wow. I know. What? Who are these people? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know how we... I I probably assumed at that season in life we were so poor, but like, how do you live without TV? Who knows? But um, but I think by the time we moved out to Wheaton and got involved in church, I was really starting to cook, and we really valued time together. And I think part of what drew us to our church community is there were other people who valued time around tables and so um yeah so it was kind of this like we were growing in our ability to create community and also like I was on this whole culinary experience of like oh wow I like actually like to cook and I'm really pretty good at it and people want to come to your house when you feed them really good food and so yeah, I think we just kind of kind of continued on this path. I'm trying to think when I started blogging. It was after Bennett was born. Yeah. Um so I went through like after Bennett was born this whole like what am I doing? Like career-wise and all the things. You've I think been that, through a few of those. Yeah, I don't know how. We'll Maybe get to that in another episode. <laughs> I think it's in my my first episode on the show where I talk about all my frequent job changes. But um, so I had this idea of like making 365 recipes in the next year um, and decided to start food blogging, which like who with a two-year-old and a newborn is like, you know what I should do? Like pick up a hobby that's kind of expensive, like requires a whole skill set to like build a blog and learn photography and all the things. If you ever go and look at it, you realize like there's a learning curve. The early stuff is rough. But I got to this place of like I'm good enough at cooking like People ask about the recipes, and if I have a blog to send them to, like, this is also when blogging was still a thing. Maybe it still is. I don't know. It's still a thing. But, but you also had me. Right, who did the whole thing. I would <laughs> right. not have had a food blog. Jesus, like, I want a food blog. I'm like, well, I guess I got to learn how to build a website, right? <laughs> and that is the story of how Curry and JJ operate as a couple. I dream dreams. Curry brings them to fruition. It's a great setup <laughs> for me. There was a major learning curve with the website as right? well. Some of those early ones. So I think in that season and probably like the first years of Bennett's life, we made, I made this kind of shift toward if people were coming and I'm a food blogger, like things have to be exceptional. And so I would spend more time than was appropriate creating meals that, like, people really enjoyed. Yeah, we had some amazing... Some amazing yeah. food. 
But in that season for us, I kind of lost the whole vision of why we were doing this. And I don't remember when it was. Um, but just having a conversation with Curry about like, I'm not entering in anymore. I am so caught up in the preparation and the presentation and the like wanting praise for this meal that I've, that I'm presenting to people. I'm missing the whole value, you know, that we've placed on community and having people in our home. And so I like, I'm thankful for that self-awareness, but it was a huge shift for us. And just probably around that time, I stopped food blogging just because it wasn't something I could keep up with. I wasn't passionate. What I realized on that journey is I'd burn myself out from cooking um, because I was so, um, I don't even know what a good descriptor of, but like, it was almost like performance for me. And so having people in our home wasn't magical. And I assume I was often like a stressed out hostess and we decided that wasn't like what we wanted for our family and the people who entered our home. Um, so I don't even know really when the shift started to happen but what we realized is like yes people value a really great meal but we can make a really great meal in 30 minutes to an hour versus like three to four hours also what i realized is the local taco store has dollar tacos (laughs) on tuesday and saturday and any of our friends who visit our home with any regularity have had those tacos yes because i learned Part of it is just being present at the table. And so sometimes I find myself much more present if I've picked up tacos as carryout instead of like creating a meal for friends and people still show up at our house. People still want to be here. And I don't know, I had this realization that it wasn't the food, which had always like been my thought, but it was this ability to create space and just that that's what people were looking for. They weren't coming to judge like the quality of the presentation (laughs) and the food that I was giving. Uh, Yes. And we've had quite a journey, I think, uh, because of all that, right? I I do think though, uh, so we're the type of people that don't necessarily care what our house looks like. I feel like yes. for a lot of people, that is a major hurdle, right? Just feeling like sure. just getting the house together is is an issue. Is it appropriate to share my story? I think so. I had thought, yes. Okay. I had already thought so, about that. yes. I feel like Curry is being super gracious because like the reality is I <laughs> do not care at all. At all. Curry cares more than I do. I'm learning and Somehow growing. you'll spend five hours in the kitchen <laughs> cooking a meal, but you don't care that there's like stuff all over the floor. Not it's, at all. Yeah, don't amazing. care at all. It's amazing. So I was hosting a mom's group in the season of life um, for our church. And I had people over every couple of weeks just for coffee and treats and, you know, often like a homemade baked something delicious. 
And um, a woman walked in who'd never been to our house before and said, oh, it's so nice that you would invite people into your home when it looks like this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, gosh. Which, like, I probably should have been offended. (laughs) But I wasn't. It was funny to me because I thought, like, Oh, I like picked up and you still <laughs> think it's a disaster. This looks pretty good for us. Right? Yeah, right. And so just this realization of like, oh, that like actually matters to people. Um, yeah, it's like such a thing that we like deep cleaned and purged a ton of stuff after Wynn's episode uh last winter. But like we were texting pictures of our house to our small group to be like, you guys, we're so grown up. Look at how awesome our house looks. That like sets the caliber for how our home looks. And so I think what we've what we thought was normal, but what we've learned is like people don't really care what your house looks like. Yeah. I mean, there there's a sense in which, you know, it, right. it needs to be comfortable. Right. And so I think a level of stuff everywhere makes it more comfortable but there's a level too where like there's still so much stuff that it's like once again uncomfortable there's right. like this it's a fine line spectrum of yeah um yes but i i think so often we hear like oh i could never do that like we have this project we're working on or and i'm like nobody cares like yeah. if you create space for people they don't care that your kitchen is outdated or that your toddler like was Picasso on your wall? Like people come into that and see, like, oh, they're just like me. They're human. Their kids color on walls too, which hopefully y'all's kids color on your walls. Yes. It's not just us. It's magic. Uh, that's most of our decoration. For so. sure. I mean, our house isn't that bad, but you know, there is some there is some markers on the walls. Yeah, but I think that is hurdle number one: is this idea that like my home needs to be pristine, to be per- put together, and yeah. And like, meh, it's not true. And I feel like, not to over-spiritualize things, but like that is a lie that keeps us from community. Like I could never, my house is too small. My house is too messy. My house is too outdated. Like whatever that lie is, it's what keeps you from walking into community. Right. And so we poo-poo that. Like have people over. Right. But I think the other thing, a second thing is people are like, but I can't cook. Nobody cares. Like find the taco shop in your neighborhood that right. has dollar tacos yeah. or like pick up a, my, my mom. I love you, Lulu. Don't, sh- don't hate me. But she like Sam's lasagna, man. We were having people over salad, garlic bread, Sam's lasagna. And people loved it. Yeah, That was like my entertaining staple. Like our first four years of marriage, my mom cooked other great things, but she also had Miss Piggy's cookies a lot and like good cookies that wins people over too. Yeah. So, you know, find a local bakery that has something you can pick up or like, don't be afraid to just do a Thai food buffet. Yeah. Or in the summer, I mean, you'd like grill some hot dogs and have chips and a, like cut up a watermelon. I mean, it's, it's easy. Yeah. You can do it. And if you can't cook, then you just pick up takeout or find a super easy text me and I will give you three easy recipes (laughs) or email curry. If you're not my actual real life (laughs) friend and don't have my phone number. Uh, yeah. 
No, that's good. So what then are just some like maybe general best practices? Do you feel like we've hit sort of most of them just about around entertaining? I think so. I think the other thing, if you're like having new people over, like because of our role at church, we have a lot of people over who we don't know well. And I think part of it is like learning how to ask questions like there are people that are guarded and that you need to like realize they're not super comfortable telling their whole life story so like give them some space they may need like four dinners to feel comfortable there may be people that like as soon as they show up start sharing their deepest darkest secrets and like if you have created space don't be horrified by that don't be like awkward about it feel honored that they chose to invite you into the story. And so I think kind of this like balance of also like if you think I don't know what to ask, I don't think about questions before people come over. That's good. Yeah. Like what are five different conversation starters and talk like if you're have a roommate or a partner or a spouse that you could like brainstorm together Curry totally leads these things in our home. 10 years of Starbucks, he could talk <laughs> to anybody. Those skills come in handy. Right? Yeah. I always say I'm a therapist, so I listen. I don't talk a ton, <laughs> um, which isn't totally true, but we are most comfortable with kind of Curry leading that at our table. And so I think like finding your groove, what does that look like at your house? Yeah. Serving drinks never hurts either true that tends to get the conversation rolling <laughs> uh i i was it was interesting and we i don't even think we've talked about this but i was uh interviewing the guy from common good uh chad this last week and he was just talking about how hospitality is like serving people mm-hmm. and i just i don't think i've ever put it thought of it that way per se but when you bring somebody over into your house you're like you're serving them and i think you know, we want to be, we don't want to just present like amazing food and, and present, um, you know, a, an amazing atmosphere or whatever. Like they're there for us to, to serve them. And I, I, and not in a way that like highlights how great we are, or what we have, but in a way that like truly values their story, like who they are, what they have to say. And I think there's something like really beautiful about stepping in to that story. You for know? sure. Uh, Right. And like, oh, not only our house not always being perfect, but like we have three children. Yeah. And depending on their day or their age, like some of our best hospitality stories involve like behavior from our children. <laughs> and I think like there was a time that I would often feel embarrassed. Um, And now I'm just like, these are my kids and they're kids and they feel free in our home to be silly and that they have a voice at the table and they interact with grownups and owning that versus being like, oh my gosh, my toddler is melting down on the floor, which they've all been toddlers who've all melted down on the floor. But just this idea of like, I don't want to present perfect. Um, Not only do I think it people don't feel comfortable in perfection, but I want to present authenticity. And our hope is that in our sometimes messy house with three kiddos and 
we're human that like it's not perfect here and my hope is that that's really what we present when people walk through our door that they feel safe to be human because we've allowed them (laughs) we've let them see our faults even early on and that they would feel comfortable to do the same yeah so i mean hospitality can be very uncomfortable it can be a lot of work uh, and it can be a struggle sometimes, right? For sure. But I think at the end of the day, it's always going to be worth it. For sure. Right? There's times where it's like, can we just like cancel tonight? And that happens, right? Like right. you get, yeah. But very rarely, if ever, does somebody leave the house and we say that was like a total waste of time. Right. You know, I think there's always value to community. For sure. I have like two other random thoughts. Yeah. Where are we at on time? We're good. Okay. Um, so like maybe you're thinking, I don't have the space to do dinner. I don't have the space for that. We, when the weather is warm-ish, we use our backyard yeah. all the time. It's and true. so that gives us a lot of freedom to like invite more people over because we use our backyard like a living space. And so... In the summer, we can have a lot more people over because we just have the space. So like even think through, do you have outdoor space that could facilitate more? But if you're thinking like overwhelmed by dinner or you're wanting to like dip a toe in, to me, s'mores bar is like, if you have a fire pit, if you have a backyard, like Mm. if preparing a meal feels overwhelming or is like cost prohibitive to you, Having people over around a bonfire and making s'mores is like gold. We do it every year with our youth group. I have a whole blog post on how to do. We still keep my blog up because I still use my I'll own recipes. That in the episode. <laughs> um, but like that would be such an easy way to just like dip your toe in or have people over for coffee and store bought scones or donuts or whatever. Like you don't just hospitality doesn't mean a meal always and i think just don't get hung up on having a meal i also think hospitality is this great opportunity to create community where you are we since we moved in eight years ago have talked about having a neighbor we live on a cul-de-sac like having a cul-de-sac cookout and it's taken us eight years to bring that dream to fruition um, but I, I felt like we were fairly connected to not all of our neighbors, but several of our neighbors. I felt really comfortable in our community and I have never, I think this is completely true. I have never been more thankful for bringing a group of people together yeah. than sharing a meal with my neighbors. Yep. Um, and like not to overhype it, it has changed the dynamic of our culture. And everybody, almost everybody showed. Yes. Because if you live in the burbs, especially, you're like, there's no way any of my neighbors will show up. People want community to, want to be known. And yeah. I I love knowing my neighbor's story and giving them space to show up. We're the only people who have little kids. And so I always get hung up on like, do they think we're the crazy loud neighbors? 
And just to come and have even the benefit, you know, you go into this like we're going to serve and create space and have community to have so many of our neighbors speak like truth over my family and children of just like the joy of seeing us out as a family, how much they've enjoyed watching our kids grow up, things that we would have never said in the passing by, but just the value that that adds to our community. I mean, people were leaving that night saying like, we want to do this monthly. Right. And so I think there's so many ways that you can be hospitable, whether that's even like taking a cake to a new neighbor or a loaf of bread or whatever, like meeting your neighbors. There's a lot of ways to create community. Yeah, that's great. I, I think that's awesome. One final thought. It is, there is never any shame in asking people coming over to bring something truth right like that is one of the easiest ways to like cut down costs right and people will bring something you know and want to yeah i i'm the worst because people always ask me like oh what can i bring and i'm like oh we're good but it annoys me if we're going to someone's house and i ask what i can bring and they tell me like (laughs) oh no it's fine because there's usually something that can be contributed and normally i'm just being lazy and don't want to think through like what part could I like give out, but yes, yeah. always. Also, that's the best in summer. Like we're gonna make hot dogs, right? Bring chips. Bring chips. Chips are so easy and cheap, and yep, yeah. All right. Well, I think I think we've covered all of hospitality that you could possibly in its entirety. In its entirety, yeah. Done and done. done. Less than thirty <laughs> minutes. Perfect. Awesome. Well, we hope you enjoyed some time around the magic table. We would love to hear your hospitality stories. What are some uh, maybe funny, maybe awkward, uh, maybe triumphant hospitality stories that you have? Uh, Feel free to jump on Theology of Hustle on Instagram and go ahead and send those over. Uh, I'll make sure and talk about those on an episode Um, if you send some over uh, just so uh, we can have the community just hearing about hospitality. Uh, And I hope this episode... uh, encourage you to go out and and have someone over i guess stay in and have someone over rather but i hope it i hope it encourages you into more community to to doing more around the table and to time around your own magic table so we'll see you next time around the magic table <laughs>